0: Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm your host, Robin, and I am here with Dawn, Katie, and Lindy, and it's our prayer at Storytellers Live that you would meet God in a new way through these stories, that you would know you aren't alone, and that you can discuss these stories with friends so that walls are broken down and community is built. Today's story is Christy from Vestavia, Alabama, and Katie's going to tell us a little bit about it. Well, have any of you ever asked God why? (laughs) Why? All the time. (laughs) Like, why
1: won't you answer my prayer? Or why are you allowing this to happen to me? Or why would you allow me to struggle when I'm doing everything you've asked me to do? I know I've asked that one before. Those are all questions that Christy Asked God. Her story includes the hard road of an unplanned pregnancy, the struggles of being single and a single mom, the difficulties a marriage can bring, an unexpected health crisis, but through all of those experiences, Christy realized that there was purpose in her pain and God gently led her to ask herself a new question. This time, the question was to ask herself, why not me? So, I believe you're going to be encouraged through her story.
2: Today's episode is sponsored by Bulo, a company founded by Delphine Carter, one of our past storytellers, whom you can hear in episode 22. Many women struggle to maintain job demands while meeting family and household responsibilities. Typically, women feel forced to take the off-ramp and pause their career until the children get older. This has a financial impact on the family, and for many women, confidence and ambition can suffer. Bulo offers another option. The Bulo platform services part-time and contract work opportunities with companies that respect your choice to blend work and family. Wherever you are on your career path, still working full-time but looking for options, or ready to jump back in, Bulo can help you find your right professional fit. Go to BuloSolutions.com to take the first step. That's B-O-U-L-O Solutions.com.
3: Um, well, good morning. Um, I was really praying about what part of my story to tell and just asking Jesus, like, whatever you want me to say, say it. And like, how do I start this? And what do I, what do, I do? So I thought about one of my favorite childhood moments. Um, I've always been a daddy's girl. I am the middle child of three. And I've kind of always been striving my whole life. But I remember as a little girl, um, I couldn't have been more than five years old. My dad worked at night. Um, So he was 11 of seven. My mom worked during the day, so he would get me. My older brother was in school, and my sister wasn't born yet. And so he always started his day with a cup of coffee. And so my love for coffee came from my dad because we both get a cup of coffee. And I know what you're thinking. But (laughs) my cup of coffee was just the right size for me. It was one of those little medicine dispensers that you get, like, (laughs) and so he'd pour me a cup of coffee, and he'd drink a cup of coffee, and I'd sit in his lap, and he'd do my hair, Um, and we always walked to go pick up my brother from school, and it was just a sweet time with my daddy, Um, and I think that's a picture of how our Heavenly Father does for us, just those sweet moments, and um, so as I, as I grew up, um, my parents have always been in ministry. They've loved the Lord. They've lived um, just really, I think they're going to have a lot of jewels in their crown when they get to heaven. Um, but my dad was a man of very few words. He didn't talk a lot. He's very sweet, very gentle, very laid back. My mom is the exact opposite. Um, <laughs> any discipline, anything always came from mom. And mom was, when she got saved, she got really, really saved. Um, <laughs> like, really saved. <laughs> there were a lot of don'ts. Um, and so I grew up looking for love because I didn't hear it a lot. My parents didn't hear it a lot. They loved us the best way that they knew how to, but there was very little affection and very little words spoken. And so I remember in high school, just striving, like, if I do this, maybe they'll see me. And so I was in NHS, I was in SGA, I like everything that I could do. I wanted an honors diploma, because then maybe they'd be proud. And so I took AP calculus, AP English, AP history, AP physics, graduated with an honors diploma, and went on to college. Um, And that's really where my story begins because up until that point i lived the life that my parents wanted me to live i went to private school i was a good girl i didn't talk to boys <laughs> and but it was all through their relationship with the lord i didn't have my own relationship with the lord so i went to alabama roll tide <laughs> and as you know, there are many opportunities to party at Alabama. <laughs> and I capitalized on every single one of them. <laughs> and so I got really, because I went to private school, I'd never even been to a dance before. Like at my school, dancing leaded to sex. And so like you just don't dance because then you get pregnant. <laughs> and so we just didn't do anything. So I went to Alabama and like there was all these parties and my friends were going to parties. And I realized I was not comfortable in that environment because I'd never been in it before. And someone introduced me to alcohol, and then I realized, oh, I could be really comfortable in this environment now. <laughs> and so um, I just kind of started spiraling. I drank a lot. I became very promiscuous. And in two years, I was I didn't even know who I was, who was this person. Because I was raised right, there was always something inside of me saying, this is not how you're, this isn't you. You know better, you should do better. And I remember uh, I was going into my junior year and just thinking, you got to stop. Like, it's time, like it's, it's, it's over. My GPA was a struggling 2.0, if that. And I was working at the time. I was working at Hibbett's. And there was a stomach virus going around. So like everyone was out sick and we were all throwing up. And I know that's pleasant for you to hear, but a few weeks went by and everybody else got better, but I didn't. And so I'm still sick. I'm still vomiting every day. And one of my friends was like, Christy, do you think you're pregnant? And I was like, girl, no. Um... (laughs) But one of the girls that worked with me, we went to CVS and we went back to our house and I took a pregnancy test and it was positive I was pregnant. And at that point, my world crumbled. I was like, what am I going to do? My parents are in ministry. They're going to disown me. Like if dancing was bad, how am I going to come and tell my mom that I'm pregnant? And I was so sick. I could barely lift my head and I knew I wasn't going to be able to finish school that semester. So I went home one weekend when my dad was out of town. (laughs) And I went at night because the sickness wasn't as bad at night. And um, I went to my mom's room. She was not asleep, but she was in bed, and all the lights were off. And I sat in a chair beside her bed. And I said, Mom, I need to tell you something. She said, You're pregnant? I said, Yes, I just remember thinking, This is it. This is the end. They're going to disown me. What am I gonna do? And so me being me, I'd already taken care of everything. I was like, I don't need your help. I've done it. I'm on Medicaid. Um, I have a doctor, but I'm really, really, really sick. And she—it was the first time I truly felt love. I slept in her bed that night, and she said, "What do you want?" I said, "Mom, I want to finish school." She said, "You will." I said, "I don't want to be a statistic." She said, "You." It was the first true representation of unconditional love. What I thought was going to happen was the exact opposite. My mom got pregnant when she was 19. She never told me. They got married. And so she'd walked through this. Until this day, we really haven't talked about her pregnancy, but she loved me through mine. So they moved me home over Thanksgiving, and I worked and until Christopher was born. So my son Christopher was born that June. And... When I got pregnant, it was like a complete 180 instantly. It was the first time I think I really realized that my actions no longer affected just me. And so that was the beginning of my relationship with God. So I started walking with Him. I cut off all my friends. I didn't listen to secular music. I like I was just like, God, I need you because this baby deserves to have a good life with a mom that's walking with the Lord. And so I just, I did, I turned everything around and um, I think he was about a year and a half and I started going back to school. I was commuting from Trustful. my parents live in Trustful to Tuscaloosa and I was still working and I was like, I can't keep this going. So this spring of 2004 or 5, I went back to school at Alabama full time. No, it was the the summer. I went back to school full-time. I took him with me, and I worked really hard. I got a job at his daycare so that I could afford to (laughs) have daycare. Uh, I studied a lot. I moved off campus. I didn't have cable. I just was like, I need to finish school. This is what I need to do. Everything that I did was either Jesus or school. I drove home every weekend for church, and even though I was in a season, I guess you say, of like just being in a desert alone, I never felt God more than I did in those two years. So going into my senior year, um, I switched my degree to, or my major to accounting, um, because I was originally pre-med, and I didn't have any passing grades in that. So um, I had an A in my accounting class, and just so like, maybe this is what I should do. I've always liked numbers. Um, so... Um, There was an opportunity for accounting internships. Um, And for this to happen, you had to have a high GPA, so 3.5 or higher. Um, But these firms would come in and you could interview with them and they did these socials and all these things. And so I really wanted to try to get an internship. So I had a conversation with my parents going into my senior year. And I was like, in order to do this, I can't keep Christopher with me. And they agreed to have him in Birmingham so that I could apply for the internship, um, which was a blessing because there was no guarantee that I was even going to get it. And so I worked hard and I got invited to the social by accident. Um, and so I went. and there, I have no idea how I got there except for God. And um, I was just talking to this lady. I didn't know who she was. And I'm just like vomiting all of my like everything. And then I find out she's the recruiter for the firm. And I'm like, wonderful. <laughs> so there goes that firm. <laughs> But (laughs) Um, I applied for many interviews, and everyone turned me down but one company. Um, And when I got in the room, the person interviewing was the lady that I had vomited all of my information to. And I remember sitting there. It wasn't an interview. We just talked like we'd known each other for forever. Um, Later that day, I got a phone call, and I got an offer to work an intern at that company. It was the highest-paid internship for that semester, Uh, I called my dad and my mom, and I was like, you're never going to believe this. And so I interned there. I got offered a full-time job, and a few months into my internship, or really into the full-time job, I realized I cannot do this and have a child and move out of my parents' house. And so I I was going to get my CPA and I was like, I just, I can't right now in this season of life. And so I went to talk to her and I was like, hey, something shifted. She was like, girl, no problem. I'm so glad that you made that decision right now. I got a CPA and I'm a recruiter. Like, (laughs) don't waste the time if you know that it's not for you. And she was like, there's plenty of people that work here that aren't CPAs. And I mean, you're welcome. We love you. I'm going on vacation in a few weeks. When I come back, then we'll talk about, you know, your plan. And while she's gone, I get called into the office, um, and a lady sits me down and she was like, Hey, you know, I just wanted to talk about your future, blah, 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 blah. Are you happy? And I was like, Yes, I love it. And she's like, Well, you know, we need people that are really passionate about accounting here. And I'm like, I am, I'm passionate, I love my job. Um, and she was like, Well, with your new decision not to d- um, pursue your CPA, like I said, we need people that are passionate. So um, is two weeks going to be enough for you? And I was like, what? And so I got fired. And I was like, God, you opened all of these doors for me. I shouldn't have been here. Like, why would it was like a tease? Like, why would you do this? I was devastated. I didn't know what to do. I was just being honest. And I didn't understand like why that was happening. Um, one of the partners in the firm found out what happened. And he was like, I'd like to help you if you'll let me. Um, and he introduced me to a friend of his that owned a company. And I went and interviewed that day. I was like, "I'm not dressed appropriately. Um, and the next day, they offered the job. they They matched everything that I had with that company. And I was like, "Wow, like I felt like something was taken away, but Jesus said, "I've got something else for you." And so I went to work for that company. I was in a relationship at this time. It was a high-profile relationship. We dated for about four years. We got engaged. And I guess about six months into our engagement, he came and said that he wasn't ready to be an instant And so that relationship ended suddenly, abruptly. It was very public. It was very hard. And so again, something that I felt like God had given me was ripped away. And so I ended up in a what we call freedom group now. It was a life group at the time at Church of the Highlands. And I was just like, God, I'm I don't I just need something. So I started going to Highlands and I ended up at Highlands because they had an evening service, and I used to go to the evening service, sit up in the bleachers and cry, the whole service, just go and cry. didn't want to do it in front of my son, but I was hurting, and I didn't have a way to do that. And so I just went, and week after week after week, I cried. So I got introduced to this life group, and I went in, and I was actually a little bit cocky. So all the things they were saying, I was like, I know this already. <laughs> and why don't you? Like, (laughs) what in the world am I doing here? But I stayed and I did the homework and I realized that there were a lot of broken places. I had brokenness from my relationship with my mom. I was still very, very hurt by the relationship that had ended abruptly. Um, I was carrying around some anger with God. I was frustrated because I was single and I'm raising this kid. And God just little by little began to repair the broken places. And so I finished my freedom group, went to um, the freedom retreat, and and God just began to heal me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do this for other people. So started leading all these small groups. And one, I guess it was about, it's 2013, so three years later, um, I'm really, really frustrated in life. Like, I am serving Jesus with all my heart. I'm at Church of the Highlands, 24-7, serving, um, and I'm still single, and I didn't understand why I'm like, God, I've been celibate, I haven't touched a man, I haven't kissed, I haven't held hands, like, I barely look at them now, why in the world, obviously, they're not looking at me either, like, (laughs) why in the world am I still single, I'm serving you, and I just don't understand, and no offense, but I'm at this white church, and I'm a black girl, (laughs) and (laughs) I've got a kid. What white man is going to want me and my kid? Like, oh, my gosh, I'm frustrated. And so (laughs) I decided to lead this small group called Why Me? And in that season of life, my why me was why am I not married? And all of these women came. Um, I remember before then I was praying. I was reading this book called The Circle Maker. Many of you have probably read it. If you haven't, you need to. It's amazing. And I began to pray, and there was a portion in there about a group of girls. They were a little bit older, seasoned like I was, um, and they weren't married, and they were frustrated. And so they decided they were going to pray for each other's husbands. So you're not going to pray for your own. You're going to pray for their husbands. And so I called a friend of mine. I was like, hey, girl, I'm reading this book, and this is what they did. May work for us too. It's like you want to pray with me, and so she's like, "Yeah." And so I remember, I just paced. I was like, "Lord, you are the God who parted the Red Sea, so I know you will send her a man. Like, you can do this. I know you can." <laughs> and I started that small group still with this just tension of, "But, but why not? Why not for me?" Um, and the women that came to the group, oh my gosh, their YMEs were like, "Whoa, I have nothing to complain about." just the hurt and pain that they were going through. I was like, I just shouldn't even be leading this group. Um, There was a woman there, and of course I won't say names, but she'd been married for about eight years, and the last six of the eight years she found out her husband had been in affairs. There was another who had tragically lost her husband in a car accident. He was a man of God. He loved the Lord. And she had teenagers that just could not handle it, and they were acting out. And I'm sitting here like, I'm complaining because I'm single. How do I help these women get through what they're getting through? Why would you bring them to me? Um, And in that season, my sister was getting married. She's my baby sister. She lived with me and she was marrying my ex fiance's best friend. And it was really hard. I wasn't in the wedding and that hurt me. And There was just so much going on. I remember telling God, I know that you're enough and I can go to this wedding and I don't need anyone to go with me, but I need to feel it. And so that was my prayer. God, just be with me and help me know that in the midst of this, I have no unforgiveness towards them, but I knew that they were going to be there. My ex had gotten married and I was hurting because my sister didn't ask me to be in her wedding. Um, And I was like, but I don't need a man to complete me. I am more than enough with you. And so I got to the point where I was like, I'm good. I can go. I can be happy for her. I don't need to take someone with me. Um, And I get a text message from a friend of mine. We've been friends for years. I actually tutored him in college. And he's like, happy birthday. And I was like, thank you. How'd you know? Because he's not on social media. um, But we just, we'd been friends for a long time. And I was like, ooh, he can go to the wedding with me. (laughs) Uh, we had had an opportunity to date and he turned me down and so I knew that he wasn't interested in me like that so it'd be a safe person to go to the wedding with so I texted him and I was like hey if you're not busy can you call me and he didn't um (laughs) (laughs) and so the next morning he calls just like sorry I was asleep and I was like hey Liz is getting married um this is what's going on he was like say no more Send me a picture of your dress. I'm going to coordinate. We're going to go to the wedding. It's going to be the best weekend. Don't worry about it. I got you. So I was like, okay. So it's wedding weekend, and it's like week four of small groups. I'm telling my girls this as it happens. And so we go, and he walks up to my parents' house, and I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) This man is fine. (laughs) Like, what in the world? And he doesn't like me. So he comes in, and I'm like, hey, church hug. Um, (laughs) And we go to the rehearsal dinner, and he goes to the wedding, and he waits on me hand and foot. And I'm like, God, this is a really cruel joke because this guy doesn't like me um but god he loved my parents loved him they never met him they only knew of him and so after the wedding he was like hey can we talk about us and I was like us there is no us there's an opportunity for there to be an us (laughs) but you turned me down and so he's like no 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 that was the first time I realized that I had a chance with you but I knew about your relationship with the Lord and I wasn't there yet and so I told God after that night if you give me the opportunity to I'm going to become the man that she deserves, and one day I'm going to pursue her, and I'm going to marry her. And so he said, if you give me the opportunity to, I want to spend the rest of my life making you happy. I didn't come down here to go to your sister's wedding. I came down here to make you my wife." Oh, Oh, right. (laughs) So I'm like... Oh, and the funny thing is that morning I had gotten a call from a lady who's been in my life for many, many years. I trust her. She um, is a mentor and she called me the morning of my sister's wedding and she said, hey, I got up praying for you this morning and God told me to tell you something, which I'm a little leery of, if I can to be honest, but not with her. <laughs> and so she said, um, I, I know that you're excited for your sister. I know this is a big day for her, and I know, but I also know it's a hard day for you. And she said, God told me to tell you to buckle your seatbelt because he is about to take you on the ride of your life. Get ready. That happened that morning. I'm getting my makeup done. I was like, okay, put a pin in it. Write in your journal later. And so that night when he professed his love, I was like, oh, that must have been what she was talking about (laughs) because I wasn't expecting this. So like two and a half weeks later, he proposed four months later, we got married. And so uh, my last week of small group, I'm sitting in the group and I have on this ring and they're like, oh my gosh, like what in the world? Like everything changed in six weeks. Um, I wasn't dating. There were no prospects. And it was such a sweet gift from God until we got married. And I hated him. I was like, "What in the world can I give him back? Like we hated each other. It was the hardest year of my life. I went to a women's small group. Um, there's a lady named Cindy Acton at church, and she just has a passion for women that are newly married or engaged, and she poured out so much wisdom. and I ate it all up. and that small group saved my marriage because I it was it was it was unbearable. I cried. I prayed. Sometimes I was like, I don't even know if I want this to work. Like, this is hard. Why did you wrap this package up so nicely and give it to me? And I've never been more miserable. I've never felt more lonely. I just don't understand. And so time went and I listened and I prayed. And I remember one day God dealt with me very harshly. He said, I don't need your help with him. See, I thought that a, a godly man was supposed to look a certain way and dress a certain way and do a certain thing and pray every day and anoint us, and, you know. Uh, and he said, I don't need your help with him. You are not the Holy Spirit. He has a Holy Spirit. He has me, and if you don't get out of the way, you're going to ruin this. So I went and I repented to him. I was like, I'm sorry. I've tried to make you into my idea of what you're supposed to be. And I realize now that our journeys are separate and I love you, and I love the man that God made you, and I know that he made you for me. So that began, and our marriage began to get better, and we wanted a baby. And I remember being so excited because being pregnant was so shameful. I couldn't wait to have a baby and be excited about it, to tell people and it not be a bad thing. And so we got pregnant really, really fast, Um, In 2016. And uh, I remember it was during the 21 days of prayer, it was January the 4th. And thank you. (laughs) And I remember praying and crying and covering this baby that we decided not to find out the gender, but I wanted a girl, so I prayed for her. (laughs) (laughs) And I prayed against sickness because when I had Christopher, like I said, I was very, very sick. And I remember it was the financial conference, and I'm working, and I was like, ooh, I don't feel so well. And as every day passed, I got sicker and sicker. I couldn't keep anything down. I ended up going into the hospital. I was dehydrated. I had extra saliva. Like, who has that? I had a spit (laughs) cup. I was like, really, God? Like, a spit cup? That's attractive. And so I, I had gestational diabetes. I had back problems. Like, you name it, it happened. And so I couldn't wait to have her, because I knew it was a girl, so that I could just feel normal again. I remember sitting in my husband's lap one day, and I'm bawling my eyes out, and I was like, I just feel so bad. There's so many people who want a baby and can't have one. And here I am complaining about this, and he was like, that doesn't make it any easier on you, but we'll get through this. And so we just had a baby shower, and I'm writing thank you cards, and it's August um, 24th she's due September 26th and my husband's walking by and I feel a pop I was like oh honey yeah I think my water just broke and he was like it's not time I was like I know but give me about five minutes and I'll confirm it for you. (laughs) And sure enough, those contractions hit and they hit hard. Like from day one, I was like, ah, this just, I don't remember it being like this with Christopher. So we rushed to the emergency room and I knew that I was going to have a C-section. So they prepped me for the C-section and we're laying there and they're like, are you ready? Are you ready for what it is? And so they, they don't tell you, they just like hold the baby up. And so I was like, it's a girl know I'm like, oh gosh, I'm a wreck. <laughs> so excited. We had decided on a name already because I was like, if we're not going to do this, he didn't want to find out. So I got to have a name because I want to pray for my baby by name. So we'd chosen the name Brayden Gray. Um, and so Brayden Gray Washington was born. It was a girl. Oh man, happiest days. And I went to recovery. And when I woke up, I was like, something is wrong. And I told my husband, I was like, something is wrong. This isn't right. I don't, I'm not supposed to feel like this. And for days, I laid in bed in agonizing pain. My stomach was distended. It was hard as a brick. And I was like, something is terribly wrong. On day four, I told my husband, I was like, my right side is on fire. Can you just, like, lift up my gown and see if you see anything? And he said, it's 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 red. It's really, really red. I said, go get the nurse. And so the nurse comes in. The doctor shifts are changing. And she gets the doctor. And she was like, I think you have appendicitis. I remember the night before... I was so afraid to go to sleep because I thought I wasn't going to wake up. I'd never felt pain like that. I, I I don't even know how to describe what it was. All I needed to do was to pray. So I spent the whole night praying, afraid to fall asleep, because I didn't think that I was going to wake up. So she comes in, and they take me to do tests, and the tests come back, and it says that I had ileus. So my internal um organs were starting to shut down my intestines was locked and so they're still running tests another day passed and my doctor who was out of town comes in town she walks in she's like I heard my girl isn't doing well and I was like no ma'am something's wrong she pulls up my gown and she draws a line across my belly and she says babe I'm so sorry but you are terribly infected I have to get you into surgery immediately And so we rush into surgery. Like, no jewelry comes off. Like, they cut my shirt off, and we're in there. And so I come out of surgery, and I'm actually starting to feel better. And I notice that that area gets really hard again. And I said, is this normal? She's like, no, I'm sorry. We got to go back in again. So I go in for my third surgery. And I come out, and she said, it looks like a shark has taken a bite out of your abdomen. And because it was infected, there's no stitching, no anything. Um, And so she talked to a wound care specialist, and they decided to insert a wound back to help with the healing. Um, I spent 17 days in the hospital. I'm so mad at God. Why? Why would you answer this prayer but not answer this one? You gave me this beautiful baby girl. Why did this have to be? the way, the journey for me. And so I get out of the hospital and we have this wound back and I remember the first wound back change. It was three and a half hours to get it out. I had no additional pain medicine and it was just, it was rough. And my husband looked at me and he said, baby, you are strong and you are strong enough to get through this. And that might not mean anything to you, but it meant the world to me. You see, in that first year of marriage, I cried a lot, clearly. Um, It's my way of expressing my emotions. And he would say, I'm just used to being around strong women. I was like, just because I cry doesn't mean I'm not strong. It takes a very vulnerable person to show their emotions, and that takes strength. But that day, those words were reversed, and that curse was broken. And so even in my brokenness and my anger, God was healing things, and he was healing my marriage. Um, but we had a long road ahead of us. Um, I spent many, many, many days um, with home health. Braden was born August 24th, and my wound did not close into the following January. And in that time, I sunk into a really deep depression. I spent a lot of days home alone. My husband was a realtor, and because he was caring for me and our baby, he had to go and work home our finances were a disaster we had maxed out all of our credit cards and life was just hard and I had to go back to work because we needed the money so I went back to work in December and I looked great on the outside but I was dying on the inside I remember one day before I went back to work I was so low I I couldn't breathe. I'd never felt like that before. And I was like, God, I need help. So I reached out to one of our staff pastors, and I was like, something is wrong. I've never felt like this before. I don't know how to get out of it. I've never felt so low. And so he said, who are your girls? you got to reach out to them. Let them pray for you. Like, let them be your errand. And so I got through that day, but there was still a very heavy cloud over me so I went back to work and I did all the things, you know, you're on staff at a church. So you show up to 21 days of prayer at 6 a.m. and you smile and you greet people in the lobby and you do what you're supposed to do because it's what you're supposed to do. But I was, I was just dying inside like, God, I've never felt further from you. I was angry with a doctor who didn't treat me. Just so many whys, and I just couldn't understand, like, how could this happen? People go, they get pregnant, they have babies every day without complications. I had complications with my son as well, and so I knew what prayers to pray. I knew what to cover. Um, But at the end of the day, it was my story. And I remember a shift happened. One day I was at work, and there was a pastor who asked me how I was doing, and I said, honestly, I'm not doing good at all. I just keep asking God, why me? Like, why did this have to happen? And he looked at me and he said, Christy, why not you? And I was like, it's a little offended. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? What are you trying to say? Um, but as I thought about it, it began to resonate. And I thought of Job. And I had been studying Job for a while. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that Job didn't do anything wrong, that Satan came and petitioned God and God said, have you considered my servant Job? And Job went through loss and he went through disappointment and he went through heartache. But God knew that he had a plan to restore Job and to give him more than he could have ever thought or imagined because he knew that Job would be faithful. And so at that point, it shifted from why me to why not me. And it became a sweet relationship between me and the Lord and almost where I was like bold, like, bring it, Satan. (laughs) Like, I'm ready. I can do this. Um, Because somebody someday, like Job helped me, maybe my story can help them. Maybe they're going through something that they feel like they can't get through or they're dealing with disappointment or you didn't show up for them the way that they thought that you should show up. Um, And I realized that my pain could have purpose. Um, And so now here we are. My baby girl is three and a half years old, going on 33. Uh, (laughs) She's sassy. She's sweet. Um, Our family is great. Um, My husband, our relationship is just so sweet. God has answered prayers. He's done a work in him. Um, he was like, uh, small groups aren't for me, I'm not about to bare my soul to strangers that I don't know. And uh, for a year we've been in a couple small group. and last fall we led our first small group for high schoolers. I guess today I'm just here to say that I don't know what you're going through, I don't know what you're battling, I don't know what your why me is, because we all have them. But I do know that we serve a faithful God, and I know that he's not a respecter of persons. So I can sit here with you today and tell you I'm 100% in love with my daddy. Just like my daddy when I was a baby, set me in his lap and did my hair and loved on me. I feel like in this season of my life, my heavenly father sits me in my lap. He gives me my cup of coffee every morning. He brushes my hair and he loves me. With the love that only he can give. God has restored what was broken. And I just want to encourage you today that if he'll do it for me, he'll do the same for you.
0: You know, this story is so different than some of our other stories. Because typically we ask people to have one storyline and they follow it start to finish. And this one was so unique because she really had a lot of topics that are so relatable to so many of us with the common thread of why me.
1: Right.
3: When I hear these stories, I just really want to just take nuggets from them to carry me forward, Mm -hmm. which is why I really just love the concept of storytellers. But with Christy, she
0: describes confessing to her mother and her mother's stance and just the way that she showed unconditional love when Christy came to her with such a hard problem. Yeah, she said
1: that was the first time I felt unconditional love. And how we can carry that forward in our
0: relationships of just having a... Unconditional response of love for others, mm-hmm. and an open dialogue, not right. being afraid to bring things up, not hiding it in shame and darkness. Yes, but open communication. Open. I think, and I
1: think that goes along the lines of when she was in that deep depression. Her pastor said, you know, go find your girls. And it's just a beautiful reminder to me that we are made for community. I mean, you think about Jesus had his disciples. He didn't just come to earth and walk around by himself. He had his disciples. Moses had Aaron. She mentioned, I don't know if if you were able to catch it in her story, but she mentioned her girls being like her Aaron when Mm -hmm. Aaron helped Moses, you know, hold his hands up. And you think about, I mean, all the stories of the Bible. Naomi had Ruth. um, Esther had Mordecai. I mean, you think about all of those relationships and how important it is to have those because it becomes so easy when you're in depression to just hang out by yourself yes. and wallow in it right. Absolutely, and, and, and right. keep to crying stay. out, why yes. God, why? Instead of being able to process it mm-hmm. with a, a Another believer and to stay in your right. head. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really I, I, that was one of the things that just stood out to me. And of course, the the her comment about trying to be her husband's Holy Spirit. <laughs> the whole marriage oh, that thread. That just, the whole marriage the thread to me was just significant because I can relate to that. You know, I, I try to be everybody's Holy Spirit <laughs> 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 because I, I sometimes feel like that's my job. But but in even after in the Q and A section that wasn't recorded. There, she said, "Say it once and pray." And so it's our job, you know, in relationships. I mean, not just marriage relationships, but just, you know, we're not the Holy Spirit. Handed but it we, over to God. Yes, yes, exactly. And just pray about it. And then her saying that her healing in her marriage came through her brokenness. That was that was really impactful to me. And I, I love the beautiful imagery at the end of her daddy handing her the cup yes. of coffee every morning. Yes. You know Sweet. just a beautiful picture to remind me
0: if that's where mm-hmm. i need to go first thing in the morning is to have my cup of coffee with him mm-hmm. yes and just sit in his lap you yep. know yep. i think so many times we just see god as this big man sitting in a chair in heaven yep. and it's like no no he wants you to climb in his lap and sit and rest yep. Yep. thanks for joining us this week on storytellers and hearing christy's story and We would love for you to share it with your friends, to go online and subscribe to our podcast, to rate and review. You can even go to StorytellersLive.org and sign up for our email list. You can come hang out with us on Instagram at podcast. We're just kind of all over the place, and we look forward to being with you next week.